It's Wednesday, my dudes. I apologize. I promised myself if I ever recorded a podcast on Wednesday, I had to start off like that. But hey, everybody, uh, this is On The Flank, episode nine. We're recording a little bit late. Um, We're recording it on a Wednesday. I'm a little busy here in these next two weeks. Um, so, so we might have a little bit of a different schedule Wednesdays, uh, might be when we're coming out. We'll, we'll let you know via Twitter. Uh, but yeah, you're listening to On the Flank. I am one of your hosts, John George, alongside Joe Kirkpatrick. Say hello, Joe. I, I feel like I should say something different on a new day, but you know, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I stole the only good phrase for Wednesdays. I guess there's like hump day as well, but that's old, you know, that's old stuff. Um, but yeah, this is when it when it comes to analysis, we are on the flank. Joe, we luckily, luckily, last second, we've gotten some uh, more news to talk about this week, and waiting till Wednesday might have been a good idea because we got most of our news on Monday. Yeah, I think in fact all of I think all of the signings, um, except for for maybe Florida, that have happened in the last three days um, after Monday. So exactly. Uh, so we're we're lucky. We're lucky that I uh, that I was busy on Monday, Joe. All right, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so so we've got we've got a nice amount of signings. We're also gonna go over uh, the rosters so far. Uh, just a little little nice off season recap as far as official announcements go. I'm also gonna mention some rumors, but just take those with a grain of salt. Of course, mm-hmm. rumors change all the time. Um, and we've got we had a new patch, a Halloween patch. So we're going to talk about that eventually. And we've got some nice topics to talk about as well this week: collegiate esports and some players' union stuff. Uh, are you excited for this episode, Joe? Uh, it should be a good one. All right, let's hop right in with the news. Of course, no events going on right now, so we go straight to the news. Uh, we talked about it last week. There was a Chinese announcement that was translated into English of of the official details of Owl Season Two. Well, we got the English announcement. Um, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff from the Chinese announcement was was confirmed and the same. But we got a few new tidbits of information. Uh, confirmed there will there will be three stage finals, with the fourth stage final being. A wild card play-in. These stage finals will all have will all have eight teams in them. So the top eight teams from each stage will be put into a bracket with a quarterfinal, semifinal, and final. Uh, that is a big expansion from last year. It actually started at two, then or it started at three, then moved to four, and now we're going to eight teams per stage final, which makes sense with twenty teams this this year. And then we got official details on how many teams will be in the wildcard plan. Of course, we knew about the wildcard plan. I had said that it would probably be 7 through 10, but it will be 7 through 12. The 7 through 12 seed. So we'll have a six-team wildcard plan. Uh, you can't avoid can't avoid the old buy with that one, unfortunately. But uh, I, think, I think a buy is a little bit of an advantage in something like a wildcard plan because... Uh, the the seventh and eighth seed only have to win one game in order to make it to the Overwatch League playoffs. What do you think about this new information uh, that has been added through this English article, Joe? Um, yeah, I, did, I just wanted to add uh, your very last statement there about the the play in at the end of stage four. That yeah, especially if this uh, play into the season playoffs is sort of treated like a stage four finals, that would make sense. Um, as far as to have the buy uh, giving an advantage to the seventh and eighth place seeded teams, um, because you know again, if it's supposed to be kind of like a stage four playoff, it'll likely be on the same patch, so there won't be some of those issues. Uh, it'll you know likely um, pretty soon after stage four concludes, uh, so there won't be some of those issues we had with uh, the playoff play in um, or the playoff early rounds uh, last season. You know, talking about you know was it actually disadvantage for New York? Um, and Valiant to have a buy and all that sort of thing. Hopefully that'll be addressed, um, it sounds like, uh, by the way they've set this up here, which is good. Um, and I think, yeah, in general, um, getting rid of the Stage 4 finals, um, it's it's fine, you know. Um, last year, obviously, um, you know, that was... Um, uh, you, you know, a team like Dallas Hill would have... Uh, would have uh, enjoyed to actually have uh, those finals, you know, that they, or the playoffs that they played in, but at the same time, you know, there were um, 
you know, people pointing out that there there wasn't much to play for at that point because most of the uh, season uh, rankings and season playoffs had basically been set. Uh, so th- I think that, that makes sense to go ahead and drop that. I'm um, just in terms of you know uh, fan engagement and um, interest, you know, because uh, it, it might not come out, uh, you know, the way it did in season one that there uh, necessarily would be any interesting storylines at all necessarily. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, uh, I definitely have seen some people complaining about the lack of a stage four, um, a stage four stage playoffs uh, and stage finals. But I, I, I think with having this playoffs planned, there, I don't know, it would just be too much to have a stage playoffs and then a play in. Um, and also, you still have all the teams at the bottom of the barrel, probably like 16th to 20th place, won't be trying. You still have like 12th place, 13th place, 14th place, 15th place, all fighting for that 12th place spot, really trying to make make it into that wild card play in. Um, and, and try to make it. And I think this will be super exciting. I think the playoffs plan will be more exciting than a stage a stage finals um, because there's a possibility that we get that Cinderella story, that 12 seed, that 11 seed, making it, making it into the Overwatch League playoffs. Uh, that's some exciting stuff. I, I'm really excited for that. Um, I mapped out. I mapped out what the... Um, league schedule is probably going to look like uh right when this announcement was made just based off um based off of their all-star summer vacation and all this stuff i wanted to see how long uh the entire league would be this year because i know it probably is going to be longer um last year it went from january to august this year it's supposed to start in february um I believe from February to to the beginning of May will be stage one and stage two. Then they'll do a nice little month break. Um, and then from June to August will be stage three and stage four. Um, the end of August is when the play-in is. And then I imagine they'll have a week break. Last year they had like an entire month break between playoffs. And I, I believe... They are not going to do that again because that was a big hype killer. And I, they probably would have got more viewers because I don't think a lot of people knew that it was happening. Um, so I think they'll only do a week break after the play-in. Uh, some people were predicting that they'll do, that they were going to do stage four a week break, then the play-in. But I think they'll do the play-in the week right after stage four. I don't think there's any point in having them take a break. That um, makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and... I think they'll take a week break after the play-in, and then playoffs will begin. And based off of if things work similarly to, I I believe there's still five week stages, right? They they announced that yeah. things work similarly. Then the last week of September should be when the Overwatch League season ends. So February February to September should be interesting to see how that affects uh, World Cup going forward because World Cup has always started in late summer uh, as far as qualifiers go. So um, with with the Overwatch League players' attention on Overwatch League during that time World Cup is, it should be interesting to see how they handle that next year. Yeah, because um, you know, they've sort of built it uh, last two years now around BlizzCon, um, which is that first weekend in November. So we'll be interested to see if um, they keep, uh, first of all, if they keep this World Cup format, you know, for group stages, it makes sense. Um, but if they uh, put them all in subsequent weeks, uh, you know, like, you know, four weekends in October, one, two, three, four group stages, and then the first one in November is BlizzCon. I mean, that would be super compressed, uh, which I imagine isn't ideal um, uh, from a marketing standpoint, you know, that you want to try to build that up um, over at least longer than a month, uh, you know, to, to build hype and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, on the other hand, you definitely also don't want that uh, conflicting with Overwatch League. So yeah, just well, I have to see how they all line that up. Yeah, they could definitely try to do that. Teams are gonna. I mean, teams were being built during the Overwatch League season last time, so I, I don't doubt that they can, can build the teams, choose team captains during the Overwatch League season like they did this past year. Um, they just won't have time to practice. Is my concern. If you have, I mean, 
if you have the best players, they're probably going to be in that grand finals or towards the end of the playoffs. And uh, all these other teams that don't even have Overwatch League players are going to be practicing consistently. And there are going to be a lot of teams that don't have Overwatch League players because the majority of the league is looking like it's going to be Korean at this point. Um, but yeah, uh, <coughs> I I don't know what they'll do. I guess they will make it those four weeks in October, but that, that I don't know. I, it can be done, obviously, but it it definitely doesn't give the players too much time. It doesn't give the players any of a break, which they have they have said over and over again that they want to give the players a break. Um, so either we're going to get a compressed timeline, or and if we get a compressed timeline, I truly believe a lot more pro players, especially the ones that are going to be towards the end of the season, are going to decline because they want to break because of how close how much closer the entire event sort of is together if if you played in the qualifiers at least you got that like two month break after the qualifiers before blizzcon but now you're going like five weeks in a row with this with this big tournament kind of so should be interesting anything else to say about this english announcement uh yeah i don't think so other than you know it's confirmed what we already knew um in some ways so that's good um i'm curious about the schedule tab um yeah so there's still nothing on the schedule tab of overwatchleague.com about season two yet but uh, we'll see something at some point i'm sure i i once again i mean there is no overwatch league panel at blizzcon this year but i once again i'm expecting that schedule to come out at blizzcon um unless it comes out in the next couple in the next couple weeks i don't know we'll see Came out of BlizzCon last year, so I'm just going off last year at this point. <laughs> uh, we've got some expansion team uh, stuff going on here. Some some team branding announcements, and Joe, you know how 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 team team branding announcements make me feel. They they make me real happy. <laughs> um, I love colors, but uh, Toronto, the Overwatch League Toronto team has announced that they will be having an unveiling party next Wednesday, a week from today, October 24th from 6 to 11 uh, at Toronto's Berkeley Church in Toronto. That makes me real excited that they are unveiling it. We didn't have any like unveiling parties in the city that these teams are from. So this, this is a really cool thing that Toronto is doing. I'm assuming that they will be announcing their team branding um, and logo all that stuff colors uh hopefully some coaches hopefully some players but it, to to the smallest extent i expect at least some some branding and stuff like that if it is just a party and they and they and they're just like having fun with their fans and they announce nothing i will be very upset uh what do you think they're gonna announce jeff um, yeah, so hopefully, if I were a Toronto fan, um, you know, and I, I might end up being, who knows. Um, but yeah, if I were a Toronto fan, I would um, ideally, uh, you know, be looking at this event. Hopefully we get, um, you know, branding and colors. Um, and, you know, obviously they've had, I don't even know how many weeks, uh, weeks now, you know, to sign players. Um, you know, whether or not they have a full roster, who knows by now. Um, but, but yeah, to be able to include some roster announcements there, uh, maybe even have some players there at this venue. It sounds like um, that, the, you know, they're, they're planning to have some sort of, um, you know, concrete event there. Um, but yeah, if they were able to have uh, some, some of their players on the roster or maybe even their entire roster there, um, you know, to meet fans and to uh, experience that event, I think that would has the potential to be really cool. Um, and it sounds like they'll be doing a live stream of it too. Um, so I might even actually watch, um, again, that's here on the 24th, which is next Wednesday night. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching. Uh, apologies. They do have a coach already. I forgot. They announced Bishop. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. Which makes Bishop. (laughs) They're at a church. Makes sense. Uh, Uh, (laughs) kind of. Um, uh, yeah, but I expect, and I would, that would be super hype if they just like brought the players on stage and they were like, I, I believe there hasn't been that many rumors about Toronto as other teams, other expansion teams. I think Toronto has been pretty quiet on the rumor front. So, uh, it'll be pretty interesting if they just brought out the players, um, 
if they had like official merch already or something, the players were wearing it, like that would be super hype. Um, and I, I don't think anyone knows really what Toronto's branding will be right now. Their entire Twitter is like black and white. Um, of course, everyone's responding to this tweet with gifts of Drake. Maybe Drake will be there. Um, <laughs> a good old, a good old Toronto. I'm excited for this one. And I, you know why this makes me excited is because it, it lets me know that very soon these other teams are also going to be announcing branding. Of course, last week we got the Atlanta team making their t- Twitter. And of course, they, it was very red themed. Officially, the Vancouver Overwatch League team. It's very weird that I that we, we're grasping at this. Uh, but <laughs> the Vancouver Overwatch League team has made their Twitter theme green. Oh my goodness. Um, that's cool. I like green teams. They're, of course, the, the Canucks own, the Vancouver Canucks owners also own this Overwatch League team, and the Vancouver Canucks are blue and green. Uh, so if they go with a similar style to that, that'd be cool. I definitely like the Vancouver Canucks blue and green. Um, it's like a nice little, it's exactly the green they honestly have on their Twitter right now. It's a nice little dark foresty green that the Canucks yeah. use. I, I like it a lot. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, LA Valley and green a little bit, but yeah. But no gold <laughs> alongside it probably. Exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, um, this isn't on the list, but I saw somewhere, I don't know where, but I saw somewhere um, that uh, apparently uh, like Florida, supposedly Florida and Philly and LA Valiant um, and maybe somewhere else had uh, put in a request to Blizzard to change their colors for season two. Oh, yeah. Um, That was, yes. There was no official, like the rumors were that Florida, I believe it was... It was either Valiant or Gladiators. I thought they said like the an LA team. Yeah, they said Gladiators, but it was actually Valiant because uh, okay. people were complaining about the yellow and green. <laughs> that's wow. what made me. That's what made me think of it too. I don't mind the yellow and yellow and uh, green too much, honestly. Yeah, yeah. The only change I could think of, I mean, obviously Florida's going, you know, hot pink and light blue, which would be yeah. uh, that'll be cool. Um, but you know, for Valiant, the only, the only change I could think of is to go to like a darker, like like a, a pretty dark green and gold, rather than like light green and yellow, which is kind of what they're at. To yeah. sort of darken it up a little bit, that'd be cool, I think. But I definitely, I if anything they could do with the yellow, it would be to make it a little like make it goldy or bronzish, even like make it. I don't know. The the, the yellow is a bit bright right now. But yeah, I think we did. Didn't we talk about this on the podcast? The rumored teams to go with branding changes because I feel like I've ran. I feel I like I I have a memory of ranting about it. I don't know if it I was on this podcast. Or... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't um, sound familiar, but who knows? Uh, yeah, because I I was talking about how it would make no sense. It would ju- it would make no sense for Overwatch for like the Overwatch League to let all these people just rebrand like every year pretty much. They probably want to give them some time, especially when like the rumor number was like seven teams. It was like seven of the twelve original teams wanted to rebrand. And wow! <laughs> at that point, if you're the Overwatch League, you just gotta say no. You're like, uh, no. <laughs> we wanted franchises. We wanted to like keep this consistent for a reason, guys. Um, we we got to keep branding consistent, so maybe they'll eventually let rebranding happen. Uh, I know sports, traditional sports, definitely allows it to happen, but they only about like one team rebrands per year, if any. So, um, and if they rebrand, it's like such a slight change. It's either like the logo changing a little bit, or like their jerseys changing, or something like that. And it seems like all these teams regret their branding extremely and want to change everything um but yeah florida mayhem i'm very sad that they couldn't get the rebrand but all the other teams i'm absolutely fine with there's i have no complaints about any of the other teams colors honestly just just the mayhem they have very ugly colors Um, speaking of the florida mayhem they have signed three players uh, this past Monday, or was it Sunday? It was Sunday, um, which is a very weird time to, to break news. 
but they have announced the signing of three new Korean players. We got Chris. Um, Chris is a support player who uh, was on a contenders Korean team. Uh, his team was, what's his Meta-Athena. name? Metathena. Metathena. Uh, of course, Metathena. They have been in the Korean scene since Apex. They have they have never really been top tier, I guess you could say. The highest they got was fourth in Apex Season 2. Um, they, they've been in trials in Contender Season 1. They got 11th or 12th. Uh, and then they were in trials last season. They weren't even in the regular season contenders, of course, but... But they got Chris. He's a he's a Korean support player. Uh, he's he's mainly known for his Lucio, and Lucio's appearing in the metal a little bit more. Um, of course, I believe this guy's an upgrade from 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 whoever Florida had last year. Uh, BQB is is the next one. He is a DPS player, specifically known for his Sombra play. Uh, he was on X6 Gaming. Of course, X6 they got they got first in Contender Season One Korea. Um, and he is now a Florida Mayhem man. And the last one is Swan. He's a main take player. Uh, and he was on, he was with Kung Du Panthera up until Overwatch Contenders when he signed with NRG, who is the San Francisco Shocks, uh, their, their team in the, in North American Contenders. Uh, so th- three pretty good players here. Um, what do you think about these signings? Uh, well, I think uh, first thing interesting to note is that that brings uh, Florida now up to four uh, DPS players uh, on their roster currently signed, which is interesting. Um, and one of them is not Logics. One of them is Tivik yeah. instead, which whatever. We, we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in general, I mean, they're, um, you know, obviously once they made all their cuts, they had, um, you know, hardly anyone. So they're building now around uh, around what they have, which is good. Um, and you know, towards uh, where they need to be. Um, I mean, I, I don't um, personally know anything much about these uh, about these signings. Uh, obviously, you know, we've talked about sort of the direction uh, Florida seems to be heading uh, towards uh, more of a Korean team. Uh, obviously, we have Apply and Tivik um, uh, still in the team who are not Korean. Uh, everyone else is, but yeah, but everyone else is exactly. So. Uh, yeah, it'll definitely be a, a really new uh, Florida team. You know, maybe uh, maybe new branding, maybe not, but certainly a new face uh, in the player bench. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, and I believe, unless we get just like a signing of one more player or two more players, this probably should be it for them. They have nine players on their roster now, um, which is about the average of every team. Uh, so they're definitely not going with the six players like they did in the first season, which is good. Uh, but I, yeah, I think this should be it. It should be interesting to see what direction they go and how these players mesh together. Um, but I, uh, I'm, I'm down for these signings. Um, BQB, of course, former Kung Du or X6 as he, he's looking pretty good and former Kung Du Panther Swan is looking pretty good. I don't know too much about Chris, but, um, you, you gotta like Florida Mayhem trying, trying to rebuild. You gotta give him props for that. We'll see how they do though uh what what's our next signing it is it's a pretty big one dallas they add closer from london this happened monday night um so we got we got good old closer joining dallas fuel of course closer uh london spitfire champions this is this is actually the first player that london spitfire is losing from the end of the season um but he was, he's a backup support, so he's not too big of a loss for the London Spitfire, but a great addition for the Dallas Fuel, who only have Harry Hook and Unko as supports on their roster right now. Um, do you think Do you think Closer is Dallas Fuel's best support now? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, certainly, um, you know, we've talked, I think we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, while we had uh, London's roster, um, you, you know, sort of evolved through uh, Season 1. I think they actually started Season 1 with 12 players. Um, and then dropped several, you know, midway, and then now they're down to um, six uh, plus guard. But we'll talk about him. Um, but uh, y- y- yeah, so it, uh, to to have have that deep of a roster and that deep of a talent pool as well, um, you know, when uh, when they made some of their other cuts, you know, it's it wasn't even necessarily due to um, you know some sort of failing 
uh, by the player, but just you know that they um, they had such a deep talent pool that they could afford to lose uh, these bench players who really should be um, you, you know contributing um, a lot to some other team, uh, and, and yeah, so definitely closer is an example of that for sure. Um, you know, going now over to Dallas, um, looking at Unko and Closer, obviously Unko was a really good pick, um, pick up for Dallas midseason last year. Um, Harry Hook, obviously, uh, like you said, uh, some of this, this, uh, variety in the support meta, um, is good. He doesn't have to play, um, you know, Mercy the whole time. Um, but, but yeah, it's going to be good. Um, obviously lots of these changes are going to be good for teams, but, uh, good for Dallas, you know, at, at that variety, at that, um, ability to do uh different things with their support lineup uh they might not have been able to otherwise yeah i like the signing for dallas uh, and hopefully we see some more more dallas signings soon um with them with their losses this offseason obviously we'd we'd like to see some more signings um london spitfire who, who, who lost closer have now signed two players the first one is a guard from element mystic Element Mystic, if you don't know, uh, another contenders Korea team, and they are, according to rumors, they are a very hot team right now to get signings uh, up there with Kung Du Panthera and uh, Runaway. Uh, they made the semifinals last year, or in the last season of contenders, and Guard is uh, a DPS player, uh, plays plays Tracer and Sombra. Uh, so London Spitfire adding... Adding another DPS player to their already stacked bird ring profit, uh, two two uh, DPS players right there. Guards guards gonna be a nice little addition on, especially with Sombra in the meta. And then their second signing, which just came out, was Krillin, and Krillin is a pretty unknown player. Um, he he was trialed by the London Spitfire, of course. Most teams had trials to to see who they wanted to sign. Krillin was was one of those players that they apparently really liked and is going to be replacing closer as the as the as one of the backup supports uh the team he was on was called crusher in korea he is a korean of course um and they were they were in the open division uh they did make the contender season one trials but they were an open division most of the time so this is an open division player who they saw in trials and they really liked um thoughts on these two signings joe um yeah so coming into london um uh like i mentioned you know they were down to six players uh now plus guard and krillin makes uh seven and eight um but uh what flex support is what krillin yeah so um the open trials is is um i think this is this is one of the first um uh, results we've seen out of some of those, uh, like you said, several teams did. Uh, so that's really cool to see, um, the, um, to be able to add to that, um, you, you know, out of some sort of uh, local type talent. You know, they uh, they talked about we can't wait uh, to watch this diamond in the rough, uh, says the London Spitfire Twitter. Um, so, so yeah, being able to watch that cool, uh, being able to watch that uh, will be uh, pretty good, effective. I think he's probably eighteen. Um, he, he's He's replied. He re- actually replied to that announcement tweet. He says, "Hello, I'm uh, Spitfire's youngest member, Krillin." So um, he, he looks very young if you see his picture. Um, but um, be, 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 yeah, being able to add to that, um, and so not only having all of these obviously superstar um, first string uh, season championship players uh, on their roster now, but being able to work with some of these uh, newer faces. And really develop them into, uh, you know, top tier owl talent. That's uh, it's good for them. Uh, and it's going to be good for the team as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I always like these these open trial players or these relatively unknown players on like trial teams or or bad contenders teams that, or just just from ladder as well. Honestly, like those are those are some fun pickups. Uh, of course. The, the biggest one from last season was Jonak, and he ended up being the, the season MVP. So uh, maybe 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 Spitfire has another Jonak on their hands, Krillin, because he does play Zenyatta. So who knows? Uh, so let's with those signings, I thought it would be fun to just go over go over the roster changes so far um, this season uh, because a lot has happened. I thought it'd be fun for the. For the not only the listeners but for me as well because I, I haven't really gone over it too much. 
So I'll start off with the Atlantic Division. I would like to mention expansion teams, but almost none of them have officially signed anybody besides Washington. Uh, So I'll start with Boston Uprising, who, of course, uh, they in the offseason dropped mistakes. Kaliost, Avast, but they have had no no signings yet in this offseason. They they still got a six-man roster. Um, Of course, there was the official announcement that Color Hex – uh, was going to, to Toronto Esports, which is their contenders team. Uh, so Color Hex could very well be seen on the Boston Uprising roster this season. I'm sure it's just a matter of a time before they announce that. We just talked about the Florida Mayhem, uh, who added Chris, B- BQB, and Swan. In this offseason, they also added Zephyr from the Soul Dynasty. They added Hagopin, who, of course, former London Spitfire, who went to Mayhem Academy at the end of the season. Uh, now, now on the main roster, of Florida Mayhem and Apply, who was also on the on the Mayhem Academy team, um, their one American Apply. Uh, so they added six players. They dropped six. I'm not going to name them all, but yeah, lots of lots of droppings this season and additions for Florida. They pretty much got the same roster besides Tavik, side player, an awesome guy. Uh, Houston Outlaws. They, they came into the offseason saying that they really like their roster and they didn't want to change too much, and they have pretty much done exactly that. Mendo, Clockwork, Fact Fiction, all all dropped, all players that didn't see too much playing time. Um, and they have only added Dante, who, of course, uh, in a trade from the San Francisco Shock, they received Dante, which is a great addition for the Houston Outlaws who needed a tracer player, and they traded their... Their academy, uh, GGEA, main tank, Smurf. They really don't need main tanks at this point uh, with with Muma. So I think they should they they should be good on that. So they traded off one of their really good prospect main tanks for Dante, which was a great trade for both teams. Uh, London Spitfire, of course, we just talked about that. They added Garden Krillin. Uh, uh, they dropped a bunch of their players right before the grand finals. And, and the playoffs, uh, but the only person they officially dropped in the offseason now was Closer, who is now on the Dallas Fuel. New York Excelsior, uh, they have they have uh, only dropped Janice uh, in their, not only this offseason, but in the entirety of, of NYX, NYXL existing, they have only ever dropped Janice, uh, who is now on the Washington, D.C. team, of course. Um, and they have added nobody, and that is That's smart. probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Philly Fusion. Uh, they dropped Shadowburn. Very sad. Dayfly and Joe Meister, and they, they, their only addition so far this offseason has been Elk, their support from Fusion University. Um, hopefully some more Fusion University signings coming soon, but they, they, they still have a team full of, I mean, Philly Fusion, second-place team last year. They don't need to do too much either. Um, I guess I'll go over like coaches a little bit. Atlanta has Sefi Silence and Caseros. Toronto, of course, chose Bishop as their coach, and then Washington they signed Janice and they got Wizard Wizard Kong uh, from NYXL to to start off. We go over to the Pacific Division. Dallas Fuel, um, of course, added closer. But they unfortunately had to drop Coco or add him as a coach. Chips was dropped, and then Siegel retired uh, from Overwatch League to stream. Uh, so far, they've only added closer, so they're they're keeping pretty much the same roster so far. They've got eight teams on their or eight players on their roster rather. Uh, so we'll see if they add anybody else. Los Angeles Gladiators, no. They've they've got six players. Of course, their biggest loss was Fissure, who went to the Soul Dynasty. They also dropped Iremix, Asher, and Silk Thread, and now they've got six players. As far as rumors go, though, Los Angeles Gladiators. It seems like they're making some of the bigger signings. Um, these are, of course, are just rumors. But the latest rumors are that De- Decay from Kung Du Panthera, who is considered one of the best contenders DPS talent out there right now um, is going to be signing with the Los Angeles Gladiators as well as Kung Du Panthera's Roar, who is a main tank, which would be a fantastic replacement for Fissure. Those are just rumors right now, of course. Uh, but it's 
looking like LA Gladiators might be able to win the offseason as far as these old teams go. Um, Valiant. We move on to Los Angeles. Valiant. They, of course, dropped Verbo, Numlocked, and uh, Finzi. And they have added Kuki uh, as a tank. Of course, another sold dynasty talent, much like Zephyr, who went on over to the Los Angeles Valiant. San Francisco Shock. They had a very young team that um, that started started really peaking at the end of the season. So, of course, they don't want to make too many changes. Uh, they did end up dropping IDDQD, Nomi, and Dehack, just cutting off the fat that they don't really need there. They have added Smurf, of course, in that trade with the Houston Outlaws for Dante. And they have also added Rascal, who was former London Spitfire, former Dallas Fuel, uh, <laughs> who went to... Former NRG. Former NRG. Of course, Rascal had trouble with Dallas Fuel. I can't remember exactly. Do you remember exactly the reason? Was it that he just had trouble communicating Uh, with the team? Yeah, or or like, wasn't there something about like that he was like being obstinate or something too? I don't remember that for sure. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, like some sort of communication thing. Yeah, it definitely was a communication thing. Hopefully, that issue doesn't uh, doesn't happen with the San Francisco Shock as well. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, we move on to Soul Dynasty. Of course, they've been they've been giving up their players for a lot of people, and signing Fisher is probably one of the reasons they don't have too much money uh, to sign some other players or keep these other players on contracts. But they ended up uh, at the end of the season dropping Wakid, Guido, and Miro. Very sad to see them part with Miro. Uh, but then they also parted with Zephyr and Kuki. Uh, as I mentioned before, Zephyr going to Mayhem, Kuki going to Valiant, and their big pickup, probably one of the biggest official pickups of the offseason so far, is they got Fissure as their main tank. Uh, Shanghai Dragons have done nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they dropped almost their entire team, but as far as rumors go, uh, they still have Dia, Gagiri, and Fearless, but as far as rumors go, it, it's looking like Shanghai is set to win at least one game. Um, while Los Angeles Gladiators have, are rumored to get two Kung Du Panthera players in Decay and Roar, it is rumored that the other four starting players from Kung Du Panthera are going to be going to the Shanghai Dragons, which is fantastic. Kung Du Panthera has always been known to have amazing Korean talent, they got second in the last season of, of contenders. They're a big, hot commodity this offseason, and everyone thought that a new expansion roster would be getting them, and it's it's looking like, according to rumors, that Shanghai Dragons will be getting them, which is crazy because they must be offering them a lot of money or something because if I were those Kung Du Panther players, I would be like, I don't want to be on the team that went 0-40. But maybe some of them want a redemption arc. All right, that was a mouthful. Um, whew, not too much has happened this offseason. Yeah, exactly. That's, I was going to mention that. Yeah, that it, it's a lot to say, but really there's not much actually to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of the people have been dropped. Not too, people pick, not too many people picked up and some, some rumors, basically. But uh, as far as rumors go, there have been tons of rumors about Runaway, Vancouver signing them, Vancouver only signing four of them. But all we know officially is that today, uh, Runaway has uh, Runaway has officially announced that their eight rostered players from last season have all got an Overwatch League Season Two contract. So uh, that's pretty big news uh, for Runaway. I think we all expected it, but but officially they all have been contracted. It's just up to when whoever Vancouver whoever signed them to announce it. Um, anything to say about, I guess, anything to say about a roster recap and this? Because I didn't let you talk about the roster recap. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, it's, it's good to uh, to think through all that again. Obviously, there's still some teams um, like uh, the LA Gladiators in particular, uh, Shanghai Dragons in particular. Um, I can't think of a third example. But but there's definitely still some teams that uh, have some work to do still. Um, you know, But we knew that already going into it. Um, that yeah, it's it's just trickling out slowly. I mean, it's, at some point we're gonna hear all of it, and then we'll have, um, you know, and then we'll just talk about something else, I guess. But in the meantime, they're 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 keeping us in business, you know, with their slow releases here. 
Oh yeah, once it's all gonna come out once, and we're gonna have a four-hour podcast probably. Um, <laughs> like that's that's all I see when I see that no news has come out. I'm like, oh god, this is all gonna pile up on us in one week. Um, yeah. Like we said, it's probably gonna be the week of BlizzCon. We'll just have to do like three shows. Yeah. Um, but we'll definitely go more in depth. I don't think once these once these rosters are announced, we'll. We'll talk about it briefly, and then I imagine we'll go more in depth on what we think about these rosters when we have uh, some season preview episodes, which I definitely want to do. Uh, some a little prediction, little preview episodes that'd be fun. Yeah, um, yeah Harblue, he's looking for a team contenders, uh, open division, trials, whatever, Overwatch League, even uh, Harblue. If you don't know, he's he's been in the Overwatch League scene since the beginning. He's a TF2 player. He's uh, good friends with with a good old Seagull, um, and he he's an off tank player who he used to be. He was on NRG at one point. He was on Complexity uh, back in the day, and he's finally looking to come back into professional play. I know he. I watch his stream often, and he he's always talking about how. How he loves ladder, he loves streaming, but he's he's a competitive person at heart, and he'll always always come back to the competitive scene. Um, Joe, you know you know do you know much about Harblue? Do you do you think you know where he's gonna land? Uh, I didn't know. Um, yeah, no. As far as uh, yeah, so I don't I don't know who he is, um, you know personally, but yeah, as far as teams looking for an off tank, I mean. Um, scrolling through the list here nothing comes to mind specifically i mean because you off tank is like one of those those positions that uh, at least lots of these uh, og season one teams have covered pretty well i mean you know whether it's um super from shock uh poco hotba from fusion uh somebody like um well i mean it used to be a seagull i guess on dallas maybe dallas to take one i don't know um you know mickey kind of but um yeah i don't know if it were an overwatch league team i would definitely think it would be dallas because dallas is very attracted to those streamers big names Um, (laughs) it's true it's true but uh besides that probably an expansion team uh but i don't think he'll i think he's contenders talent wise i think he's contenders i don't think he's going to be in overwatch league Uh, but he could make a make his way up there this was this is like one of the most upvoted posts on the subreddit. People love people love Harblue. He's just a nice guy. So it would be it would be great to see him in Overwatch League, no doubt. And he's been here since the beginning. We're we're finally gonna go into some Halloween patch notes. Um, Joe, you you're our patch notes guy. You want to go over them? <laughs> yeah. So um, we talked about some of these when they came out on PTR. Um, so some of those haven't changed, but there are a few. Um, there are a few changes that have come in, so we do want to uh, talk about those. Um, uh, more, most recently, there's some bug fixes here uh, from uh, from the actual Halloween patch. But the Halloween patch itself uh, came out on the 9th. Seems so long ago, but I guess it's just over a week ago. Uh, with new Torb, we talked about that. Halloween event is now out. Um, colorblinds, um, the rework for colorblind stuff is out now. Um by which I mean it's live. So if you're colorblind, hopefully that's helpful. Um, from what I understand, that's um, a really big change that they've made. Yep. Um, there's there's a little note here on the live patch about uh, they've updated the audio mix uh, for environmental sounds and stuff, uh, like for um, the the sounds of uh, third third person players walking around or uh, you know your allies versus your opponents. Um, you, you know, there's not that's not something we think about too often, but apparently they've uh, done some tweaks on that to uh, optimize it for it says um, just for more features and more heroes that have been added since they looked at it. So that's fine. That's that's probably a good probably a good thing for all of us. Uh, Brig nerf uh, down to 500 health for a shield. That was the same as PTR. Uh, they snuck in a Doomfist nerf. Um, between the PTR and the live patch, um, his uh, primary fire now has fall off, uh, starting at 15 meters, um, which I believe is new. I, I believe it's new. The, the way they're talking about it is that he didn't have uh, fall off at all, but now he does. Uh, so a little bit of a doofus nerf. Uh, you know, we we see how uh, how good Doomfist is right now. 
Uh, you know, so so that's at least something to work on him. Yeah, but I mean, he's not he's not overpowered at more than fifteen meters. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> the issue is he's overpowered very close up. Uh, McCree's roll buff went through. It's now six seconds instead of eight. Uh, Farah's uh, slight rework uh, with her rockets went through, as well as the concussion blast buff. Um, it, on the PTR, it was uh, cooldown reduced to eight seconds. On live, now it's down to nine. Uh, so for whatever um, RNG they use to decide which uh, changes they keep and which they don't, because who knows if yeah. you, 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 we we never actually hear if if it's based on community data or what. But uh, they decided eight seconds was too much, so they uh, brought it down to nine seconds. Uh, the May changes for her visual effects went through. Um, Orisa spread changes went through. Soldier spread changes went through. Uh, new Torb. Let me see. Uh, Reinhardt got a bunch of bug fixes, um, particularly with like the uh, the double uh, double shatter bug. Uh, supposedly that's fixed now. Um, I, I remember watching. I don't know if it was a YouTube video or a stream of. Uh, Seagull testing, or maybe it was no, it was Jane testing uh, Reinhardt's barrier field. There's a bug here that says they fixed, um, they fixed a bug that allowed area effect abilities uh, to hit Reinhardt's barrier field from further than intended, like uh, Junkrat's concussion mines. Um, it, it was uh, I remember watching that bug being demonstrated because uh, yeah, the Junkrat could throw his mind on the ground, uh, you know, like at max range from Reinhardt, and depending on the angle that he held, he held his shield, um, it would do like max damage from some crazy range. Uh, so it sounds like that's fixed. But uh, yeah, Ryan obviously was di disabled on the last BTR patch, uh, so putting in those changes, I guess, is good for him. Um, and currently, we don't have. Uh, oh yeah, Volskaya. Uh, they did some map buff fixes, including. I don't know if you've seen a Reddit highlight or something of um, uh, failing to trigger overtime um, on Volskaya second if you fall off of one of the moving platforms for whatever reason. So they fixed that. Hmm. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, so there's no live PTR patch currently. Um, and in fact, if you open up the game browser, the PTR patch is actually has an older version number than the live patch, which is interesting. Because huh. uh, they, did, they didn't update it. Um, with uh, the Halloween uh, patch to the live servers. Um, but according to Jeff, there'll be a new one, uh, quote, this week, uh, probably with some Roadhog changes. Um, yeah, because in fact, these, these were Roadhog changes that uh, supposedly were going to require some animation. Uh, so it, it likely won't be a full rework, but uh, something new is going to go on with Roadhog uh, sometime this week, and that's all we know. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the patch. <laughs> yeah. Interesting patch. When you mentioned bug, I don't know those bugs like are so specific. Like that junk rat mine with the shield. Like it's crazy that people find those bugs. You know. Yeah. And uh, it's crazy that the developers find out how to fix it. But honestly, my favorite part of this is uh, the colorblind options. I've been messing with the colors of the teams a lot, and everyone knows I'm obsessed with colors. Uh, but yeah, I ended up going green. The uh, the my team is green now, and their their team has stayed at red. I've I've tried other colors on on the opposing team, but it just messes with me. Um, <laughs> have you have you tried changing the colors at all? I haven't. No, I don't know if I will, but I guess we'll see. It's fun. It's a lot but, of fun. Oh, and the other thing, um, the the decreased setup timers are live now. So it's only 45 seconds for assault escort and hybrid maps instead of one minute. Oh yeah. Always love those. Always loving, always loving that change. Uh, topics. Let's talk about the topics we got this week. We're going to start with, with your, with your suggested topic. If you want to introduce, introduce yours first, the, the, the Custa on collegiate esports. Yeah, so um, actually both of these uh, articles we have here to look at um, came from the same event on October 11 and 12, uh, so last Thursday and Friday. Uh, UCI, University of California at Irvine, um, had an eSports conference, um, the uh, collegiate sort of gathering 
there on the West Coast uh, to talk about the industry, talk about collegiate esports, uh, where all these things fit in. Um, and so one of the things uh, came out of that, we have an interview here uh, from Action Esports with Custa of LA Valiant. They came and played some show matches with the UCI team, uh, which I didn't watch, but I imagine that would have been cool. Or no, I watched like two minutes of it, uh, but I imagine that would have been cool uh, for the team to experience. But uh, yeah, so a brief interview here with Custa uh, from Action Esports um, and talking about collegiate esports, um, talking about what he thinks about uh, the collegiate scene in the context of Overwatch. Um, so, um, and, you know, it, it's actually not very long, but one of the, uh, basically what he said was that Custa um, uh, thinks that uh, as the collegiate scene starts to grow, uh, which uh, continues to grow, which obviously it will, um, you know, that it's bec- uh, it's going to become uh, closer and closer to the time when uh, collegiate groups can get into um, contenders somehow and, and to have uh, more influence in uh, the contenders scene. Um, you know, just like we have uh, sort of this American athletic um, structure, you know, that uh, is like college basketball players uh, who often then go to the NBA, um, th- that sort of thing. Uh, you know, if they're really good, it, there can be a similar things that happen um, with collegiate esports going into professional. Um, and I, I'm not familiar enough with uh, the way other esports uh, do it. You know, maybe that's there are uh, there are similar structures in place uh, for you know something like um, Counter Strike or something. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, to be able to uh, connect with uh, collegiate teams um, and collegiate tournaments, uh, like for example through uh, Blizzard's TESPA organization, uh, which they're uh, very closely intertwined, uh, and that's how they work uh, through their collegiate. Uh, collegiate Blizzard scene, whether that's Overwatch or uh, StarCraft or Heroes of the Storm or Hearthstone uh, or Rocket League now, uh, there's a, or there's a bunch of different ones. But uh, to be able to make those connections um, in, into contenders and into, uh, if not a direct feed, but a really accessible feed um, into the pro scene, uh, that's uh, what they talked about there with Custa. Uh, and it, it, it's um, Custa seems pretty optimistic about it. I thought. Yeah, um, it's a, esports is is a very interesting scene right now, and I, uh, it's going to take a lot for for college for for it to to mimic exactly what traditional sports has right now, and for college to be a feeder into the pro scene, is it's going to take a bit uh, because right now contenders, to be honest, contenders is if if you were to compare it to to something I, I would compare contenders to like high school esports right now because of the ages these people are and because <laughs> because you can't you have to be 18 to play an overwatch league i'd say right now contenders is filled with a lot of talent younger than 18 which is high school um, and i think that's probably the biggest reason we haven't seen like an ncaa for esports or college esports is because almost a majority of people playing Overwatch, playing League of Legends, playing these these esports games are 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 college age. Um, so a lot a lot of them are skipping college to do this. Um, they're either pro or they're still in high school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I th- it's gonna take a while, and I think as we both know, as I founding the butler esports club and there there are tons of people who go to college who are who are great at esports uh, but they also want to get their degree so they're 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 not trying to risk it um but it's gonna i feel like it will take a little bit um because if you're good enough to be in the pros then you're just not going to be in college um because you're old enough to do it uh, and you, I don't know. Contenders teams are obviously the better option right now, and eventually maybe we can have it. So I don't know. Maybe like five years down the line, uh, Custa and all these young players now are like twenty seven, twenty eight, and they're still the best at Overwatch. Um, then yeah, then then college is college teams are going to be feeding into the pro scene. Um, but so far, it seems like esports is a young man's game, uh, and it seems like there are people in high school who who are better than people who are uh, older than them. So, 
it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But it is cool that uh, that Custa, Custa thinks I, – I think some of the best college teams could definitely compete with contenders players. I know that um, – I follow Clemson Esports on Twitter, and I know that uh, one of their players recently got – uh, number one on number one ranking on ladder. So I know that these play that these college teams have players good enough to be in overwatch league as well as contenders. Um, and I'd love to see the Butler Bulldogs and contenders one day, Joe, take them there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, anything else to say? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's basically it on that. Yeah. It's a short, short little thing and it's definitely in the future, but I, I definitely, I mean, knowing how much Nate and Answer and all these people love what traditional sports has done, especially the NFL, I know eventually they're going to want want something like the NCAA with a draft because I, I know that they, they probably really like that as well. Um, speaking of a draft, players union. You need a players union for your draft. And uh, there's been a lot of talk about a players, players union in Overwatch League lately. Uh, uh, specifically two posts on the subreddit um one brought i mean people post about it all the time on the subreddit um and someone brought it up again today actually and it was upvoted at the top but that wasn't the reason why i wanted to talk about it uh there was an interview with chris clue who is a former nfl player former kicker for the minnesota vikings um and, and there's a nice little interview with him on uh, a player union in esports, and it seems like almost what he is doing um, is going around. He's very interested interested in esports because he is a video game nerd, uh, World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft specifically, and he's been going around speaking to esports players about players unions and the importance of of labor strikes and union unionizing in in esports. Um, Joe, how much do you know about players' unions in sports? Players' unions in esports, or in sport, in just oh, just sports, e-sports in at general. all. I mean, I don't know, some maybe. <laughs> Depends uh, on the context. Yeah, I'll, I mean, the main reason players' unions are formed in traditional sports and esports is is for uh, players to have have knowledge of sort of salaries of other players in in the general public so they know that they're not being ripped off by whatever their team is offering them um not only with money but how long their contract is and all of that stuff as well uh it also allows for player a player draft um which gives everybody a everybody in in college and high school a fair uh a fair time to sort of showcase their talents and then a fair time to get picked by guaranteed a spot in the league, kind of if you're good enough uh, through a draft. Um, so I guess there's been a lot of discussion from Jeff Clue about about how esports players need to make sure the specific the main one is the contract stuff. They need to make sure that they're not getting ripped off um, and that they're getting contracts that they deserve. And if they're not, then they need to go on strike, which is a big thing um, that has happened in many, many uh, sports, traditional sports. There has been there have been player strikes that have caused even seasons to start later and even seasons to not happen. Like literally sometimes an entire year goes by and a, and a traditional sports season does not happen. And Chris Chris Clue has come out and said that esports players are going to have to do this probably. Do you, do you think I'm just going to set up a situational for you? Do, do you think right now all the Overwatch League players they want a players union? They decide they're going to go on strike. They're not playing a single game until until Nate Nancer in the league lets them have a player union. How long do you think until Nate Nancer caves in? Um, yeah, I mean, because especially if you said this um, you, you, last year, obviously, um, you know, this this was um, at this time last year, there was no 
uh, th there was no season yet. Obviously, the, the league existed, but there was no season yet, um, and, and they had all these hopes um, you, you, going into season one. And yeah, I think I think no question they probably would have um, done whatever the players wanted at that point. Um, and, and to a lesser extent, I think that's that, that's it's closer to true uh, right now, in the sense that you know that uh, season one, you know, they came out of. Uh, came out of season one, uh, you know, made a statement, um, and, and they have uh, a reputation um, to uh, they have a re reputation to maintain now. But also, um, you know, they've got all these improvements. They've still got big uh, goals for the league um, in the future, and they need to make sure that that can all, uh, you know, go through successfully. Um, maybe yeah. So if it, if it was um, you know the, a question of um, do the players unionize or or do we not have a league um yeah i think the, the def, definitely the former would be preferable um it, it, especially you know and uh, unions came up um you know even at points last year um you know talking about um you, you know are we gonna ever get the the player rule book or because uh, as far as i know we still don't have like a copy of the actual um uh, rule book to the public um you, you know and are we gonna um, it, it, there were players concerned at the beginning of the season about about the length of time. You know, they said, "Oh, we need more breaks. We need um, all this." Um, and, and, yeah, and to be able to to affect that kind of change, yeah, they're going to need. Um, the, people were saying a year ago they're going to need something um, to be able to do that. Oh yeah, um, I mean, the thing is, if if they really wanted a union right now, they could easily get it if you ask me right now is the time they could easily get it um Nate Nancer in the league they don't have a, too much power quite yet and honestly if all the players right now decided to sit out these teams couldn't sign new players and keep the league going or anything like that because now that we have 20 teams there's the, the talent in contenders is actually contenders level talent at this point um <laughs> So if if these if these teams are going out and signing these players to replace their players and try to keep the season going, viewers viewers are going to drop like flies. There's no doubt about it. Especially season two is so big uh, for any league, and specifically this league. Uh, they, I'm sure they all really want this to 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 thrive. But honestly, I agree with many people who are saying they don't need a players' union yet because the league has been super supportive of them so far and had, I mean, like you mentioned with the, with more breaks, when they ask for more breaks, they're giving it to them this season. They're, they're giving it to them. Um, and they're letting them have less games and all this stuff. Like they're being super co cooperative with the players. We aren't at a point where blizzard and the overwatch league are like some massive, organization like the nfl or nba where they are just like screwing over people left and right and they are money hungry and don't care about the players we're at a point where where blizzard is trying to work with the teams the owners the franchises as well as the players to make this league uh, as great as they possibly can so you don't really need a union at this point <laughs> honestly i think the fans want a union more than the players do um, and that's mainly because people like me and you, we want information to talk about on this podcast, right? We, we would like to know, uh, how much money, who makes the most money, who's making the least money. Uh, and now we have contracts last year. We only had contracts that lasted one year, but now they can last anywhere from one to three years. Um, and knowing that information would be huge for people like us because we could sit here at the end of this at the end of next season and let's say someone big like i don't know like profit is only signed to a one-year contract we could be sitting here talking about much like we talk about in the nba last season lebron james was about to be a free agent and we knew it because his contract is public because of a players union and everybody was sitting talking about is lebron james going to try his hardest at the end of the season is he going to be with the Cavs next year is he going to sign to a new team all this stuff we could be sitting here doing the same exact thing for Overwatch League players, which is a it's a big part of the story. It's a big part of, I mean, competition is honestly sometimes a story. And and contracts are a big part of it, honestly. And 
knowing that someone's contract's about to end, it's it's a it's an exciting part of sports and esports as well. Uh, but right now, we 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 have no idea how long these players are signed for and what they're signed for. Uh, so it's just gonna be a frenzy at the end of next season, knowing who who's 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 who isn't signed and who is. So I think it's something the the fans and people like us want more than the players right now. The players they pretty much all have the same agent because there's probably only like two or three or four agents in this league. And those agents know, they know how much other players are being signed for. So uh, it's just not too big of a problem for the players quite yet. Uh, Anything, any, any response to that? Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's, that all makes sense to me. It's just a matter of, see what happens (laughs) yeah i think this is something down the line and of course this fits pretty well with the collegiate esports thing uh and drafts which i think is something esports is eventually going to want to get to because uh it's always more entertaining for the fans and we'll get more viewers when and it'll be and the players will be happy too when it's a draft format is always just it's tons of fun because um just watching a draft is is a lot of fun, but it's also it also just makes things a lot more fair. Honestly, it makes the league have more parity because usually in the usually in drafts the worst team gets the first draft pick and so on. Um, but it also it's just fun to like to to guess who's gonna go where, uh, and we don't have like all these good players like the entirety of Runaway going to one team and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I think they eventually want to go into that route. I think that's going to be very far down the line, though. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I got on a, on a player's union. Uh, we keep talking about it, but uh, we'll, we'll see if it happens. I think it'll happen more once Blizzard's actually being unfair to the players because it doesn't seem like that's happening so far. So, Yeah. All right. Uh, that's all we got for this week. Uh, unless Joe, you want to add anything last second? Are we, are we done with this episode? Uh, yeah, nothing comes to mind. I think we should be good to go. Okay. Then let's talk about our social media. You can follow our personal Twitter accounts. Mine is J W George I V Joe's is at Kurt Pat Kirkpatrick underscore Inc. I N C. And our show has a Twitter account that you are going to want to go follow right now because, uh, you will have no clue when our next episode is is yet because we don't have any clue and we're going to tweet it out. Uh, it is on the flank show at on the flank show is our Twitter account. Uh, yeah, check out our tweets uh, and we will be tweeting out sometime next week because I am busy once again next Monday. So it's definitely not going to be on a Monday. Uh, we're guessing either Wednesday or Thursday next week. Uh, and then you can email us with any topics you want us to talk about on the flank show at gmail.com. Uh, but you could also add us on Twitter if you want us to talk about anything. Of course, you are listening to the podcast, so you found it somehow, but you can find it these other ways. It's at uh, it's at ontheflank.podbean.com on the internet. Uh, it's on my personal YouTube channel, which is John George, which is linked on my Twitter account. I know it's hard to just search John George on YouTube and find it. Um, <laughs> it's on iTunes. Uh, it's on the podcast app if you have an iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone and you have an Android, it is on Spotify. Um, yeah, that's that's it for this week. Hopefully, we've got some good news. Hopefully, we've got some. We're about to have tons of news. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll we'll check you guys next week. <laughs>